Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the wi-fi mom can we go to the pool and when you're with amex it's not if it's going to happen but when american express don't live life without it if you've ever been a renter you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't but did you know zillow does rentals it makes the search so easy they have filters for pretty much everything so you can find that place that's in your budget but also isn't a shoebox or a place that's close to your parents but far enough, they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. From coast to coast and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Online with Bill Alexander is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio around. Online with Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander. Here at MTRI Mixtape Radio International, around the world, round the clock at mtri.co.uk. We're also on wmck.fm McKeesport, and we are 99.1 FM. RadioRehoboth.com, 6 p.m. on Tuesdays. We're also on Steel FM at uh, steelfm.org. And we are on Friday nights at 5 p.m. U.S. time on the East Coast. And we are also on awakens.eu in Italy on Tuesdays. Uh, I'm still working out that time, but we are there, trust me. But anyhow, yours truly, Bill Alexander, with you. Hope everything's going fine for you on this Memorial Day here in the United States, honoring those who lost their lives um, during wartime. And a big uh, a big uh, thank you to all those uh, that served and those whose families who's lost their lives. But anyhow, we're going to talk tonight with a gentleman who is a TV critic. But before he was TV critic, he was actually homeless, who lost his job and actually traveled the country helping other people in the same situation that he was in. On the phone line right now, we have Greg Staffa. Greg, how are you doing this evening? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you could be here. Um, I thought it was really interesting when I read about you. I mean, you've been featured in Huffington Post. You've been featuring in all these other... Um, online journals and magazines about your when you were homeless and how you drove across the country helping other homeless people which honestly is very selfless and is amazing that you were able to do that after you lost your job now when did this all happen uh 2009 um well actually yeah uh week before christmas 2009 wow and did you uh and from what I read, you got hurt, correct? Yep. Uh, I was injured on the job, and it became a legal battle that kind of got lost in a merger as the economy went in the downfall. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of a perfect storm of many different storms. So what made you decide to get in your car and drive across the country to help other people that were in the same situation that you were? Um, it's not as selfless or selfless as you kind of made it sound to be um i think a lot of it looking back was denial okay um needing an escape um from your own situation sometimes it helps to step away right and kind of drown, drown yourself in something else to kind of um kind of get back up find yourself again um so i don't want to make it sound like i'm this you know humanitarian but it for me it was i was living in my car and I was going stir crazy. Uh, the economy had gone in a tank and finding work just wasn't going the way I wanted it to. And 
I needed to shake things up and I needed to find kind of a purpose that just kind of took me away from what I was doing. I was already living in my car and I had a bunch of stuff that I had in storage. Okay. And so I loaded up the trunk of my car and started selling items on eBay to afford it. And it's actually not as expensive of a trip as you would think. I mean, that actually kind of amazed me because I was going to ask you where you got the funds to be able to do that. Because when we think of someone that's in your situation and living in their car, the car's not moving. It's actually just in one spot. But in your situation, you actually were able to, t- you actually drove across. Now, where did you go first and who did you meet up with first? I started going, let's see where did I go? I started going west and just did basically all 48 states and kind of took my time. And especially as I got south because it was winter. Okay. So I realized, you know, what, what, what's the rush in me getting back? Um, but for me, it was selling stuff out of the trunk kind of determined my, my flow of things. Um, you know, gas was my biggest expense. Right. I was already living out of the car, and so it um, it wasn't too bad. I had some stuff that I had collected um, before I lost everything that I was planning on selling on eBay anyway, and so I used that to kind of fund things and uh, was able to. Because I was when I was homeless, I was moving around a lot. Um, one of the things I learned was to stay at rest stops. But if you stay at rest stops too long, you uh, the cops start recognizing you. Okay. And I realized that if you go to different rest stops, so I had about four or five around um, the Twin Cities of Minnesota, and I would go to those. So I was doing a lot of, you know, internal driving or statewide driving. Okay. Um, bouncing around to these rest stops. So that's, you need to get out of there. And And the other thing that people are going to ask is because you said you're living out of your car, you're selling stuff on eBay. Um, I take it you were using uh, free Wi-Fi when it was available? Yep. Uh, parking outside of Starbucks. Um, parking, you know, using McDonald's Wi-Fi back then was, you know, just kind of becoming new but normal. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So whenever, because the, the article that I read from Huffington Post said you actually went and started helping other homeless. And what 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 did you actually do as help for other people? I hate the word help. Okay. I, I guess I, I prefer befriended. Okay. Um, and even the article mentions, you know, I kept in touch with some uh, for a long time. Um, you know, you, you remember, I don't know if you remember that story of the man of the golden voice, Ted Williams. Yes, yes, yes. And video of him came out and everyone's all amazed, you know, how amazing his voice was. And the story isn't that amazing. What's amazing is someone took the time to listen to a homeless person. Right. And for me, that's what it was. It wasn't, you know, I, I, I have some frustration about some of the stuff that you see on homelessness out there. Where it's like, okay, watch me give this homeless person a haircut. Right. And look how great he looks before and after. And it's like, well, did you give him a job? Did you do anything? Did you, you know, did, how did you help him out after that? Uh-huh. Well, no, it just looks good because you're on video giving a haircut. Well, and, and they're, so for me, it, it, they're doing self-promotion is what they're doing because they're trying to make everybody believe they're a good person by doing it. So for me, it wasn't about, you know, capturing video and capturing pictures and saying, here's what I did. Here's what I, in fact, the Huffington Post article, you know, they asked me, you know, what do the homeless people think? And I'm like, well, contact Joseph. You know, he was one of the people featured in the article, too. I'm like, ask him what he thinks. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was more about talking with someone and taking the time to kind of slow down and talk to the homeless people rather than saying, here I am at the corner of this and this and watch this video as I give a homeless person, you know, coffee and a pair of socks. Right. And so for me, it was, it was more about talking rather than self-promoting. So whenever the people that you met on the way, do you still stay in touch with them? Um, not any that can think of not homeless people. There's people that weren't homeless um, that I still co- you know, started following them, but not, uh, I've lost touch with pretty much everyone homeless wise that I met just through traveling and they're moving around and okay. life situations. 
because um, we always hear that, like the stories that we do hear, that there's always one out there that actually helped you more than others. And was that a situation for you, or was there an individual that helped you in in different locations more than others did? Um, as far as me helping them or them helping me? them helping you, them helping me. Well, it actually wasn't a homeless person. The biggest help I got through my homelessness was a charity out of Pennsylvania um, near Philadelphia okay. called Mitzvah Circle. And that was probably the biggest thing that helped get me through homelessness was and, dealing with them. And what did they do for you? They, It's an organization run by a woman named Fran, and they're out of uh, Norristown, Pennsylvania. And they make care packages for homeless people. And she, accident, she just started looking for homeless people that are on social media and asked them what they wanted and what they needed. And so often now at times you see, you know, homeless people getting a care package where it's the same thing that's been given out a hundred different times. Right. And what they tried to do was personalize it. What do you need? What size are you? Mm -hmm. Instead of giving everyone a large shirt, hoping that it fits or giving everyone the same kind of thing, hers is almost, she's almost like a, a Santa where it was like tailored towards you and then someone to write a handwritten note in this care package and send it to a PO box or wherever. And I keep in touch with Fran. In fact, I recently was in Pennsylvania or uh, Philadelphia and I stopped buying donated stuff that I had saved up now that I'm back on my feet, but they were the biggest kind of influencers in getting me through homelessness. That's awesome. Or the biggest cheerleaders. Right. So whatever, because right now, unfortunately, we're going through this situation with the pandemic that we're dealing with in the United States. And everybody, a good portion of the country is out of work. A good portion of the country have lost their job. And there are probably people out there worried about the possibility of becoming homeless because they don't know where the next check is coming from. Now, when you went through that, what what happened that actually put you in that that category of homeless where you've lost everything? Did you own your own home? Did you rent? I mean, was it taken from you? Did it foreclose? How did that all happen and how and what period of time did that happen in? Um, I got injured in I want to say late 2006, and originally the injury was a work count, and they they sent me to another doctor that was hired by the, the company, and the doctor said, "Well, you're overweight, and the injury is your fault." And I immediately was let go on the spot, and we ended wow. up taking it to court, and we took it to court not for money but for language. Okay. Uh, we wanted the court to determine was it a work comp or was it his, his the doctor's report said like any injury is your fault because you're overweight. Um, your injury has healed as long as you don't bend, twist, or lift ever again, which to me sounds ridiculous. It but, does. Um, so we went to court and we won. And a year passed. And during that year, the Delta Northwest Airlines merger had happened. The economy had just started going in the tank, and Northwest was being shut down. Delta was taking over and moving everything from Minneapolis to Atlanta. So now I have this court win that says Northwest did wrong, and Delta saying we don't know anything about it. The economy is in a tank. I was expecting um, back pay from my my big win. Right. You know, I had this court document in my hand saying you won, and I had a union contract saying you know if this this or this happens. Here's what you get. And so I kind of found myself standing alone holding this paper saying you're a winner as everything got shut down in Minneapolis and went to Atlanta. Wow. And so it was kind of like a perfect storm of things where Delta said you're not our fault. The economy's in a tank. I had fallen behind on my mortgage because I had assumed we would win. Right. And with the win in the language, well, Delta's non-union, so our, our unions got shut down. And so it's kind of a, a mixture of everything going on, and I'm left holding this court victory, going, well, doesn't feel like I won. And there wasn't really a backup plan, uh, which was my big mistake, because we were so confident that we'd win, and we were so confident that the win 
would equal back and union, you know, protection. Right. And by the time everything settled down, there's no union. There's no Northwest. Delta was, you know, a thousand miles away. Wow. I mean, again, and no fault of your own because you did everything you were supposed to. Unfortunately, the people that you won no longer existed. So they had no, the, the new owner had no, uh, legal obligation to take care of you, which is a shame. So you travel, you go on the road, you, you do everything you do. How did you become of all things, a TV critic? I, I, uh, one of the things I did was I wrote a blog one day about how a TV show was helping me get through homelessness. Okay. And it was a show called white collar and it, didn't really matter to the show, but what I realized was, I think too much, and even in life today, too often we think about the big picture, and we forget about the little steps. Yes. You know, you're you're out of a job, and so you need to get a job that pays exactly the same, and you need to this, this, and this, and this in order to be right again. And what I realized is life is a lot more about baby steps. Okay. You know, and if you're struggling or you're homeless... <laughs> It wasn't about me looking and saying, I need to buy a house. I need to have the picket fence. I need to have a wife and two kids. I needed to get through the next week. Right. And I needed to find something that got me through the next week. And then that got me through the week after that. And after a while, it was several weeks that it got me through things. And I was able to make those steps. And so for me, it was a show. I was able to save up enough to get a $49 a night hotel. I'd have a bed for the night, I'd have a shower, and I'd get to watch my favorite TV show. Right. And so it was one of those things where it was a it was a passion. And so I wrote about how, you know, something as simple as having a TV show can get you through things when you're facing adversity and difficulty. And a small entertainment site um, saw it and said, would you like to come write for us? I haven't had a TV really in two years, and I hadn't, you know, watched much TV and not a writer and like, well, just give it a shot and let's see how you do. So I started writing and next thing that I knew that opens the doors and I started doing like phone interviews with celebrities. And next thing I knew I was attending, you know, film festivals and doing celebrity interviews. And now I've gotten to know some and talk to several on a regular basis and just kind of all went from there. That's really awesome that uh, someone took, uh, like you said before, someone took a chance to give you a shot at this to be able to do it. Now, um, that TV program, were there other programs that helped you get through this period of time? That was the main one. Um, Just a weekly show on USA Network, and it just was one of those things where that was what I had forward to look forward to. Okay. Um, and, and the, the, so basically is, was it the writing that did it? Was it the characters or it was just that you liked the program enough that it, it was enough to keep you going week after week after week? A little bit of the latter. Um, you know, looking back, it is a story about redemption. Um, it's about a con man that works at the FBI and kind of rebuilds himself. Um, so, I mean, there's, I think we're all kind of flawed and trying to rebuild ourselves when you go through something like that. Right. Uh, but for the most part, it's just a TV show I enjoyed. That's 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 awesome. So now that you're doing it and you're 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 doing it and you're writing on a regular basis now, um, do you see that how you review things have changed that when they did from what you did originally, or are you still reviewing things the same way you did before? How has your perspective uh, changed? Um, I don't think my perspective really has changed. I insert a lot of my, my own life into the reviews. Um, I look for kind of ways to connect it and why these emotions triggered whatever with whatever I'm reviewing. Um, I try to make my reviews kind of personalized rather than just kind of blanket critiques. Okay. And, uh, what programs right now? Have you been uh, looking at for the summer? Because a lot of these productions are in hiatus due to the pandemic because nothing can be done. Um, have you heard anything about anything new happening? Because I know CBS just announced they're renewing their stuff um, about what's going to happen in the fall and how they may have to start shooting things. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting year for TV. 
be. I mean, there's a lot. I think they thought that uh, Governor of California was going to open things up more for TV production uh, in an announcement today that didn't come. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot more shorter seasons, and I think we're going to see a lot of callbacks to older shows that are being brought back that have an audience that's built in right? Um, that they can bring back and have like a special eight episode, 10 episode kind of reunion thing that we kind of saw with like Will and Grace or, or shows like that. That's a, that, that's a good point. Um, a couple of weeks back, I watch a program that's called all rise. That's on CBS and yep. they did, they did a zoom call as their premise of their program. And basically they shot it in their individual homes or in the individual sets without a lot of people there. And it was really awkward to watch it at first because this is what we're all dealing with day in and day out. And they were able to put a spin onto it by the end of the program, which unfortunately I didn't get to watch because I had to go into my studio and start or do my program for the night. But I thought it was a very interesting premise. Do you see more programs doing something like that? I, as we're starting to come out of it, probably not as much um, because it does. There's a certain point where it's is it gimmicky or is it the reality? Right. A lot of shows. What happened was a lot of shows were left hanging where they were midway through filming their last couple episodes and they needed kind of filler. Right. And they needed to kind of come up with endings. Uh, CBS had a show called God Friended Me. Yes. That they were in the middle of filming their their final episode and they kind of had to creatively come up with an ending that hadn't been filmed yet so they used old footage to kind of create their, their series finale. Um my guess is it's going to be shorter seasons, and we're going to see some creativity. The All Rise thing, I think, was a an interesting move because they're the first to do it. But I think if we had too many of those, it might start coming across too gimmicky. But you never know. It's a new new reality we're in. Well, you know the late night talk pro- or the late night shows, um, Tonight Show, Jimmy Kimmel, and um, Steve Colbert. They've been shooting their stuff from home, and it may not be the whole show. It may be just a monologue, but they're doing it, which is very interesting, too. But again, like you said, it gets very gimmicky. You can only do so much without a studio audience. Yeah. So it's a different world to be interesting. Um, I'm curious to see what comes out of it, because I think, I think there's still going to be some surprises of new things or things that we weren't expecting to come back, coming back back to show that I mentioned white color. Yes. Um, they're actually looking at coming back for, um, there's a big push by the creator, Jeff Easton to, to bring back. And I think a lot of these older shows, because they have an audience that's already kind of built in, it just becomes easier to kind of bring something back for like a short term run, take all the hype. And I don't think we're going to see, you know, the, the 23, the 24 episodes seasons, because no one's going to know, no one knows what's going right. to happen in, you know, several months. And it takes too so long. I think it's going to come up. And it takes too long to, uh, to introduce a new cast of characters too. So yeah, I can yep. understand where you're coming from on that. And the one program that, um, that just ended on, um, ended on ABC modern family, um, I could actually see them if they wouldn't have ended, they could have actually extended their season with some of the stuff they could have done by mimicking what's going on in the real world, real world. But unfortunately they ended that program almost right before this started. Yep. And actually, I think they had an episode that was, it, if I remember correctly. It was Claire was they on had like a zoom episode. Yeah. Claire was on vacation. She was doing everything on FaceTime. Yeah. It was very unique. Yeah. It was very unique um, because that's the way we're living our lives right now. Now, do you see the other thing which we saw, which I don't think we were, were ever familiar with, but we saw American Idol go from a program that was the way it normally was done all of a sudden to people 
isolating into their homes and the judges listening to these people singing without full, full bands. They were listening to recorded tracks and everything else, and they were still able to declare a winner on this program, which, again, that had to be something difficult for ABC to figure out how are we going to recreate this program. Yeah, I think I think this year was kind of a, a desperation trial. We'll try anything year. I think next season is going to be a little bit more, a little less of that stuff. I think it just the way that the virus hit was so yeah. fast. I mean, I was I was on a plane in uh, Philadelphia or no uh, Pittsburgh, waiting to come back to Minnesota when I heard that the a trip that I had the following week was canceled. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was almost overnight that things just started shutting down. So there, there wasn't this kind of, you know, studios always playing for, you know, if there's an earthquake or if there's this or that. But I don't think anyone saw everything shutting down and productions not being going for months. Right. So I think, I think, I think calmer heads will prevail, and we'll see a little less of the gimmicky stuff and what hopefully you, a little bit more return to normalcy. What do you think is going to happen with reality programs like uh, Big Brother, Survivor, stuff like that? Because in a lot of ways, I can't imagine them putting people in these locations again in such tight groups in the new in the new world after COVID-19. I really don't see them surviving, do you? I I kind of think the opposite. I mean, I, I don't see the foreign destinations as much, but I think we're going to see a reality show boom just because production is easy to to start up and shut down. There, okay. You don't have the whole you know group of writers. It's not as big as production. In fact, after Survivor kind of really took off, studios realized how easy it was to make a reality show and how little it cost. Right. And I almost think that there's going to be a kind of a boom in reality shows that are just cheap, easy to do, you know, simple concepts where it's, you know, they just have a show out on, who is it, NBC, you know, Celebrity Escape Room. Yes, I saw you know, that, yeah. Stuff, just, stuff like, like that that just doesn't cost a lot to produce becoming, you know, normal TV now. I also saw last week on NBC that Jane Lynch and her um, Hollywood Celebrity Night or Game Night or whatever it was, they did a home edition of that, and that was very awkward to watch. <laughs> it, it was it was not as entertaining as it should have been because again, you can't when you when you're working with celebrities, they interact with each other and they work off of each other. And it's very difficult to do something when you're in a room and you're a hundred miles away or whatever it is, and you're not able to do that that close interaction that you would have done before. Yeah, it's it's an interesting world out there right now. Now, the other thing I want to ask you, because I did not think of it, my wife brought it to my attention, that we're noticing, and we have the last couple of years, especially on ABC, we've noticed the trend to go back to game shows in the summer months. You have uh, What's My Line, you have um, Pressure Luck, you have Match Game, you have family, Celebrity Family Feud, and you have um, uh, Pyramid. Why do you think that they're going to them in the summer months? And oh, and of course, the new new edition of Celebrity Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which was recorded right as the pandemic started, because it was recorded without a studio audience. Yep. So, um, I think it's just cheap summer filler. Is it is it because of nostalgia that we want to go back to those programs again? I think there's some of that. I think, I mean, I like watching because I like, like you said, the celebrities interacting and stuff like that. Um, but I think it's, it's so cheap and easy to kind of bring back show like these that they're bringing back. That it's almost, you know, a cost effective move. Right. You know, some are, for the most part, some are people are out and about normally at least. And um, <laughs> good point. It's yeah. cheaper to fill kind of with kind of, 
with uh, not reruns, but kind of retreads of shows that y'all kind of grew up with and kind of reminisce about. That's that's a good point. You're listening to Online with Bill Alexander on the phone right now. We have Greg Staffa, and you're listening to Online with Bill Alexander at MTRI Mixtape Radio International at mtri.co.uk. We're also on WMCK.FM McKeesport, WLDJ-FM 107.5 Newcastle, and also at HOFMRadio.com. 99.1 FM Radio Rehoboth.com, 6 p.m. on Tuesdays. Steel FM at steelfm.org and also on awakens.eu. So the other thing we've noticed, and CBS is doing this, is they're doing their own version of game shows, but they're really odd ones. I guess Gronk and Serena Williams is doing a program now, which looks very reminiscent to the Japanese game shows that a lot of us have seen online. Yeah, I... There's there's some interesting weird stuff, and I think a lot of it takes uh, kind of draws from Japanese game shows that you've seen, you know, on YouTube and whatnot. But um, the one with Gronk uh, just it's it's interesting and it's fine. I mean, for me, I think that there's a lot more about seeing who's hosting it, okay, rather than what the actual game show is. Seeing Venus and you know Rob kind of Together, it's an unusual pairing that that doesn't seem to match, and so I think there's kind of a fun in the the seeing the celebrities. I think that's why we're seeing a lot of celebrity-driven stuff, and just seeing those two, you know, great athletes, but yet it doesn't seem like it's something that would be normal, right? And I think there's just odd pairings that, you know get people to watch and i think people will i think they're just odd concepts because abc's has holy moly which is the extreme miniature golf and one of the networks and i just heard this the other day has a new version of tag the game that we used to play in the playground as kids it's called extreme tag and they have professional taggers that are tagging average people and i'm thinking how do you become a professional tag person I mean, is there a tryout? Is there a job interview? I mean, how do you become a personal tag person? But I thought it was kind of interesting because, again, I think, and going back to what you said, it's that nostalgia that people want to relive maybe that period of time and, and, and sit down with their kids. Oh, yeah, we used to do that, but we were much tougher then. And this gives that conversation to, to, to connect the generations together. Sure. The the tag thing though, search it up or look it up on YouTube because these some of these tag things are just. I mean, it's like parkour meets tag, and it's <laughs> it's kind of interesting. If you look it up on YouTube, it start watching it. It uh, it certainly draws you in. So the other thing we've noticed too is a lot of the streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu started to release stuff early that was supposed to be released in the fall because of the pandemic. For example, I know that Amazon Prime released The Marvelous Miss Maisel almost um, eight months early because it was supposed to be released in December and season three or season four was actually released this past March. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of interesting maneuvers as far as the streaming stuff goes. Um for you know a show like that, if you have it ready, there's no point in hanging on to it because right. you have an audience that's captured basically, and you know like it or not, you have an audience stuck at home. So if you're going to do it at any time, now's the time to do it. Um, you're also seeing movies that were supposed to be released in the theaters coming out, you know, on video on demand, and that's been interesting um, to kind of see how the markets kind of react to that and see if it's kind of a reliable method of doing it i mean you just had the new scooby-doo movie come out where you could it was supposed to be out in theaters but you could rent it on video on demand but right. the rental was 19.99 for like 48 hours yes and that's great if you're a family of four but if you're you know a an single individual person yeah looking to watch a movie it's well i know you know, that the one of the first ones that they did that with was the movie trolls that was released yep. and then now in my area the drive-ins are open back up again 
and they're running trolls um, as a as a featured film at the drive-in because they're trying to get those because the kids are the ones going nuts right now trying to get them out of the house and trying to get people there. Do you see if this does take off, like you said, that the the rental for nineteen dollars for forty eight hours? Um, do you see that being a new model that the movie the movie theaters would use? Because I know Disney has been releasing a lot of stuff that was supposed to come out directly to um, Disney Plus because they had a movie that was supposed to come out, and it escapes me right now. It's about two trolls who uh, search for their father who passed away, and I saw the movie, and I forget the name of it. But they released it almost two weeks after the pandemic started. Yeah, um, that was a great movie. It was called Onward. That's it. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, that was one of them that I was excited to to see because one of the guys that wrote it was a director that I interviewed previously. Oh, really? Super nice guy. Um, so I was excited to see it in the theater, and then it got pulled because of the whole virus thing. Um, I don't know how long of a lasting thing the video on demand for new releases will be. I think there's such a desperation where you're sitting on this, this thing that's cost you a pile of cash right. that you can't use. And what do you do with it? And so there's kind of a little bit of a desperation period and things are kind of slowing down. And right now there isn't that kind of backlog of production that's sitting there waiting to go. So it gives, you know, a little bit of a time for them to kind of figure out what to do. Um, but going forward, you know, I it's hard to tell what they're going to do. Well, um, I, I think they're still going to try to do the theaters just because of the deals that they have with the theaters. But I think we are going to see a lot more streaming. And Disney looks brilliant for releasing Disney Plus when it did. <laughs> yeah, it was like they it gives them, knew this was going to happen. Outlet. Yeah, I mean, it gave them a great outlet to put their content on. And now there's just dumping stuff onto Disney Plus, which right. I love, but... And I mean, and and the thing interesting about it is that this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, is the beginning of the summer blockbuster weekends for the release of movies. I mean, this is really going to be a damper for them to be able to figure out where their money is and how they're going to be able to release them. Because we don't know if traditional theaters are going to be open because of the, the, depending on what state you're in, because you can't have more than 25 or more than 50 or more than 100 people in a tight location. So they're going to have to re, re, re-devise the way they're going to release them. Um, however, you may see a bigger um, resurgent of drive-in theaters. Yeah, I know Minnesota is exploring that. We have a couple that still open and you know given the social distancing it, it makes sense you know if you have a plot of land to, to build a theater you know driving theater that way it, it might be a little risky venture but especially in like these colder weather states where you only have so many months to do it but i think we're going to see a change in how we view movies and i think it's going to be kind of a, a rocky experimental for the next year or so so is there anything coming up on the TV horizon um, that, that you know about that's going to be new for the fall? Or like you said, they're just going to shorten the season and they're not worried about producing anything new or new ideas out there? There's, I mean, nothing has been filming since February. So there really isn't much on the horizon. Um, a new show on the CW network called Stargirl. Uh, just came out, and it's another superhero stuff. Okay. But there really isn't much to kind of look forward to. Everything's kind of been on halt. You know, the new James Bond movie, the all these shows that are supposed to be coming back, pilot season. You know, Usually they film a, a pilot episode, and then they release it to buyers and stuff like that and let critics see it. And there's just nothing really kind of on the horizon to kind of look forward to. Everyone's just kind of standing still. Um, I know that where I'm at, um, there was a Netflix series, uh, filmed actually within, uh, probably about 
a hundred yards from where I'm sitting at right now called I'm not okay with that. That was on Netflix and where I'm at, we were looking forward to them coming back this summer to record or to shoot season two. And now that's been put on hold. So a lot of this, not only is it affecting Hollywood, it's also affecting these small communities that were waiting for on location shoots to have season one, two or three continue and now, unfortunately, it's not going to happen because this whole situation's happening. So that and that program did very well that they were actually renewing it. And unfortunately, if they're not able to shoot it, I wonder if interest will disappear for the program. I would not want to be a talent scheduler right now. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, you know, just somebody that like Ken Jong is someone I've gotten to know over the last two years on a kind of a personal level. And he was supposed to be coming to Minnesota in a couple of weeks, and his show got canceled because of the virus. And I started thinking, you know, he does the um, his own comedic stuff. He does film. He does the um, mass thing and stuff like that. And all this stuff was usually spread out through the year, and now there's been this wall. And so it'll be kind of interesting to see the backlog of different talent and what their schedules are going to be once this all opens up and where you're able to film and where you're not able to film. And it's just going to be a a nightmare as far as scheduling to get some of these productions back on schedule. Well, the other thing I think is interesting too, and I don't think the average person realized this, that a lot of the programs that, that are airing right now were recorded last fall and this past winter so they would be yeah. in post-production would be done to be run because you see all these shows with all these people there. Like they did the price is right. The few weeks ago, the nighttime version, of the price is right. And it was a full audience. And it's like, wait a minute, this isn't supposed to be happening. Or you're watching these, um, these, 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 uh, games that we're talking about with full audiences and I don't think the audio, uh, the actual viewer realized how far in advance that some of these may have been recorded for playback at a later time. Oh, yeah. And that's why TV, for the most part, was going smoothly until just kind of recently, I think, is when we started noticing the, like you said, the All Rise doing the, the little stunt stuff. It's when they kind of ran out of episodes and like, okay, this is this is now our season finale. Right. It's like, well, it wasn't going to be, but it is now. And so, yeah, stuff is filmed way months in advance, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how it all untangles when it's able to untangle. Well, and they said last week, I guess the last episode of General Hospital aired, and this is the first time this program has not been in production for this long in eons because that's always something that constantly runs because it's a weekly it's a daily series or episodic series that just keeps on going and now they're done they have nowhere else to go and you can't run reruns on a soap opera because that just ruins the storyline or confuse the heck out of you too (laughs) very true so yeah it, it is going to be very interesting to see how this plays out um now, with what you know about movies and film, the, a lot of the dates that have been delayed, have they looked at moving stuff into the fall and Christmas to try to recoup the losses that they're losing right now? Some have. Um, but other, I mean, there is so much uncertainty with what we're going to be doing a week from now, let alone months from now. Um so, you know, you have the movie that James Bond as a film, and that's been pushed back and pushed back, and uh, there's a new Black Widow film for Marvel. Um, so there's a lot of films that kind of looking for their opening. Um, and some of the release dates, and you don't know what, you know if that's going to be really the date that we're back in theaters or not. And right. It's it's expensive kind of thing to be holding on to. I mean, especially with some of the productions that were that were that were done. I mean, these were these were not low budget films that they're waiting for, and that's and no, that's a and, sad thing. And part of it is, you know, once you're done filming, that's not the end of you. Have months of you know post production work, and 
that requires hundreds of people doing, you know, minute little things to make the film what it is. And they're not all working together. And so it's, it's an interesting chaotic mess. I wonder what's going to happen with the Academy Awards next year. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing that's the least of their problems, but <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's something to think about. But yeah, I mean, even just socially, just in you know, you have a group of Hollywood actors all together, yeah, you can't... young and old, and sitting, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And I know, I know, that... is it either ABC or CBS is getting flack right now because, of course, with Broadway being shut down, the Tony Awards they've canceled but they decided they were going to do something else that sounded totally ridiculous, like a sing-along of something like Disney did. And it's like, wait a minute, that's insulting to your audience by doing that. Run last year's Tony's awards. People understand that. And last year's Tony's were actually pretty decent to watch. So, I mean, the sporting, the sporting events are doing it. They're rerunning old sporting events from 20 and 30 years ago. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because it's a situation we've never been in before. No. Um, so and no one really knows when it's when it's going to be over. So who are you? Who are you um, writing for now, critic wise? Uh, your your entertainment corner. Okay. And how often do you actually write for them? Um, as often as I can when there's stuff to write about. <laughs> um, That's a good point. You know, right now is, um, I just did reviewed a couple of films, um, a couple of the films that were supposed to be shown in like festivals and stuff like that. Uh, I did some reviews on that films that just came out, smaller independent stuff. Um, did the review for a show that came out last week. Um, did a show review for Council of Dads which came out about three weeks ago. Yes. Um, but as things kind of wind down, it's kind of like, okay, what, uh, what you got for me? And, uh, well, I'm sure you're very, much, you're very you know. caught up now uh, <laughs> because you have plenty of time to give your full attention to everything. Yeah. And I mean, just, just with the, the, the online stuff, the, the streaming stuff, I mean, it's just, between Hulu and Netflix and Disney Plus and just everything, it's kind of been nice to kind of not have much to write about and just kind of enjoy stuff. Um, so what, you know, is, a, what is the favorite thing you're binging right now yourself? I just finished uh, Upload, which is on Amazon Prime. Okay. What I say? Yeah. Uh, fun show. It's about uh, if you're on the verge of death, you can digitally upload your oh. consciousness into, um, into a computer programs, I guess. And it's about a guy that's been uploaded into this computer program that I absolutely loved. A clever uh, idea. Yeah, that's on Amazon Prime. Um, where else have I been, been watching? Um, the Boys is also on. Is it on Amazon? I think so. Okay. It's another superhero show with a kind of a slight twist. The superheroes aren't exactly uh, the best superheroes out there. Um, but I've been doing a lot of old stuff that I haven't... I have so many things where it's like, oh, I want to watch that, and eventually I will, and then <laughs> you don't because there's so much other stuff, and then it's like, oh, crap, that got canceled. That right, exactly. Watch or issue. Well, so it's been kind of nice doing that. The thing I've been been watching, which I think is really interesting, because I never thought it was binge watching before, because I've lo always loved it, and I'm a big fan of Raymond Burr, and I've been watching Perry Mason, and part of the reason is is because I didn't realize that HBO is coming out with their own version of Perry Mason. Um, it's either the end of May or the beginning or the middle of June, which I thought was very interesting. And from the trailer, Robert that I, Downey, isn't it? Yeah. And the trailer that I've seen oh. is it's, it's very film noir. It's a very dark, dirty look at Los Angeles in the 1930s. And I'm going, this looks pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it looks like Perry Mason meets the untouchables is what it looks like. So, 
and the uh, and I guess they're taking the Earl Stanley Gardner books and they're taking them one step further. So it should be very interesting. It's with uh, Matthew. What is his last name? Reyes. I thought it was Junior. Robert Downey Jr. For some reason. Yeah, Matthew. I can't say his last name. Yeah. No, the trailer looked. It it really drew you in. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. And the other thing that I cannot get enough of, and my wife thinks I'm crazy, and I've watched all 20 seasons, is Law and & Order. And I don't know if it's because I know every story all so well, but my favorite seasons were the seasons with Jerry Orbach. And I just, I thought he was excellent as Lenny Briscoe. So that's one of the ones that I've been focusing on again. Wow, Law & Order. Yeah, that's that'll take some time of binge watch, binge watching. I'm not even sure that's called that. That's in a whole another category of binging. Yeah, because it's on. I, I, I have it on in the background uh, when this whole thing started, and I was just watching it. I think I'm in season 17 now, but it's just running constantly. So, and I've seen it so many times in some episodes, I can actually quote it. Oh wow! Yeah, so it, it again. It's 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 one of those programs is my standby. Um, anything else that you see coming out that we may need to look forward to that uh, may not be getting promotion right now? Um, if you're a fan of Council of Dads, uh, I don't know if you've seen that TV show. I have not seen that yet. Um, I have not seen the next two episodes, but the cast keeps on telling me that the next two episodes are the ones to watch. Okay. So I have yet to know what that means because they haven't made that available to screen yet. Okay. Um, but the cast has been in, I've been talking to the cast about it and, and they're saying the next two episodes are the ones that will kind of win you over if you haven't been one over yet. So I was very critical of that show and then, um, kind of turned it around. So when you, when they want you to watch something and review it, do you get it before the average public gets to see it or gets access to it? Depends, depends on what it is. Um, there's certain, we have several websites. Uh, so like have ABC, NBC, CBS, um, they'll post stuff for critics to, to be able to view. So it's like you have Disney plus, you have Netflix. Well, I have ABC, version for media okay i'm able to go in and watch stuff um not everything gets posted to that um, some shows are better than others um i <laughs> review sure. stuff and then huh i'm sure that some are better than others yeah well i mean some are better than, than others to making them available oh okay i got um, you. I, I, I tried reviewing the goldbergs for several seasons and they just never made stuff available and it's like i I don't have time to watch it live and review it and have it up, you know, within minutes. And so right. it's, it's easier to have something where you have a couple of weeks to, to look at it to before you it. And usually, yeah, usually we'll get it, you know, a week or two before it comes out. Um, it gives us time to review it. It gives us time to, to tweet about it and kind of hype what we thought. Um, and, you know, go from there, but other shows just don't have it or don't need it. I mean, some of the more, popular stuff just doesn't need to have things reviewed on a weekly basis which so yeah, they can i understand that yeah so my question for you the last one i have for you tonight what is the thing that you like about reviewing programming i like coming at it with a different perspective i think okay um i think anyone has gone through what i've gone through um, and come out of it looks at life differently. Um, I have a lot of celebrities that I have become friends with. Okay. And I've enjoyed getting to know them as people rather than just, you know, so-and-so. In fact, one of my favorite questions to ask when I'm interviewing someone is when you get up in the morning and look at your, in the mirror, you know, who do you see? And I think, you know, I, I don't come across or I don't approach my reviews as um, necessarily critical for me, it's more about having a friend that you know and asking them what they thought of something. Okay. And, you know, I, I don't try to do the gotcha questions in interviews. I don't try to, to rip something just for the sake of ripping it. Um, I kind of approach it, I guess, from a more 
humane human level. Okay. Um, where you understand that these are people doing a job and kind of approach it like that. And I don't like the whole gotcha or, you know, I don't like this actor, so I'm going to trash it in all my reviews. Um, I try to give kind of tie my own life into reasons why I liked or didn't like something mm-hmm. um, and go from there. So is there any program out there that have have actually – focused on homelessness that you can say did a good job of it? There's an episode of God Friended Me um, that's no longer on CBS. Uh, it ended this season. Um, but they had an episode that dealt with homelessness. And actually, one of the actors from White Collar was in it. And that's probably been the closest thing that I've seen that just brought me to tears watching. Kind really? of, it was a story about the, a father and his son living in their vehicle and trying to make life work and, and all the hurdles, you know, getting a job and, you know, what's your address? Well, I don't have an address. I have a PO box. Well, we need a physical address or you need in just all the hurdles and just kind of the overwhelmed treading water that he felt was uh-huh. just so brilliantly done. Um, don't remember the episode name, but that show really kind of resonated with me with that episode. Well, Greg, I appreciate you taking time to talk with us this evening. I'm glad you could be on the show. Um, when everything gets up and running again, I'd love to have you back on so we can talk about some of the new programming, some new movies that are out. Um, but I know we don't know when that's going to happen, so I'll keep in touch with you if that's okay. Sure. Thank you for having me. Greg, I really appreciate it. You have a great night, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Greg Staffa um, online with Bill Alexander tonight from Homelessness to TV Critic here on tonight's program. Hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. Um, Gave me a new perspective on where he's coming from when he writes a review and also gives you a better perspective on uh, people that do write these types of things. So, again, thank you very much to Greg Staffa for joining us this evening. You're listening to Online with Bill Alexander. As I said throughout the program, we are growing by leaps and bounds. We are now on MTRI, Mixtape Radio International, around the world, round the clock, at www.tri.co.uk. We're also on WMCK.FM, McKeesport, which is just outside the city of Pittsburgh. We're also on Sunday mornings on delay at WLDJFM 107.5 at 7 a.m. at HOFMRadio.com. And we are also on 99.1 FM RadioRehoboth.com, 6 p.m. on Tuesdays. We are also on Awakens.eu on, let's see, when are we on there? We are on there at noon and uh, New York time, and we're also on Steel FM, steelfm.org on, um, at 5 p.m. Eastern time, and we're on there at 10 p.m. in the U.K., so you can listen to us there. So, folks, I am so glad you're able to join us this evening. Um, in the future, we're going to try something different. We're actually going to try to do open line phone conversation here within the next few weeks. Unfortunately, I'm not ready to do it yet because I'm moving my studio. Finally, <laughs> I'm rebuilding. I'm looking so forward to that. So once that is taken care of, we will uh, we will open up the phone lines. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can. It's really easy to do. The internet site that we have is italknet.com. Italknet. Dot com. You can also email me at bill at billalexander.net. Again, that's bill at billalexander.net. So again, thank you very much for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. We'll be back in next week. Tentatively next week, I have um, a young lady that was on the program um, earlier in the beginning of the pandemic who just got home. She was in New York City. She was stuck there, basically, because New York is closed, and she worked on Broadway and Off-Broadway, and she will be back on the program on Monday night. So, everybody, you have a great one. We'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander.
This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.